Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hello, my name is Curtis Triplett, and I'll be your host for today's Therapeutic Thursday podcast. This episode is supported by an educational grant from Nova Nordisk, Inc. I am Curtis Triplett. I'm an associate professor at the University of Texas Health, San Antonio, as well as working most of the time at the Texas Diabetes Institute, which is part of the university health system. On a daily basis, I work extensively in type 2 diabetes research, as well as seeing patients with an endocrinologist at the Texas Diabetes Institute. With me today, we're honored to have Susan Cornell, who's an Associate Director of Experiential Education and Associate Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Midwestern University in Chicago. She also practices at the Bolingbrook Christian Heal and Will Grundy Medical Clinics, where she educates and supervises interprofessional students who provide diabetes education and medical therapy management for patients in numerous underserved community clinics. Thanks for joining me, Sue. Let's get started with today's topic. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about making the most of technology when managing type 2 diabetes. As kind of a lead-in for today's podcast, one of the things I wanted to mention is really the fact that we now have different goals for patients with type 2 diabetes. One of the things that we always talk about is an A1C of less than 7. But over the last year or two, we've really been getting more and more instruction on how we can kind of fine-tune that. So we used to talk about home glucose monitoring and using home glucose monitoring to help manage our A1Cs. And now we've gone even a step further. So some of the technology that we have now is really looking at how we're going to fine-tune keeping people in range for a certain amount of time. And that is really called continuous glucose monitoring. And just as a little bit of background and lead-in, wanted to make sure we're all on the same page for what continuous glucose monitoring is because it's really been gaining so much in popularity. So one of the things is the CGM is really a method of measuring interstitial glucose levels continuously. Really, most of the systems have a sensor, and the sensor has a small cannula that's placed into the skin and measures the glucose. Then by some method, you transmit that glucose level to another device. It could be a standalone device or it could be a smartphone app that allows the user to see the glucose values. Alternatively, there is another type of, uh, it's not really continuous glucose monitoring, but we call it intermittently scanned device. And this one can give you continuous glucose, but you have to scan the device, the sensor, in order for you to be continuing to check the glucose. So the user scans over the sensor and periodically downloads the glucose values And this gives them the values either on the device or the smartphone. So just a little bit of background for us on what CGM is. So with that, and with that brief description, Sue, how are you using CGM with your patients with type 2 diabetes? Well, thanks for having me today, Curtis, and I'm very excited about CGM. This is something that, you know, I've been passionate about for, gosh, over 10 years, even more when it first came out. And really, CGM has been around for nearly 20 years. It's just really now starting to take off, and especially with the newer technology that we have, where we don't have to calibrate. 
So if you think about it, when CGM first came out, one of the first devices, yes, it was a wearable device, as you mentioned, with a sensor and measuring the interstitial fluid. But back then you had to calibrate it. So you still had to do finger sticks. The newer technology today is kind of taking us away from finger sticks. Now, you know, and I think folks need to understand that finger sticks are not completely gone because even with CGM, sometimes maybe your reading doesn't match to how you're feeling and we need to back that up with a finger stick, you know, so it's always the finger stick is becoming the double check. But what's exciting about CGM is we get to see patterns and we see glucose in real time, where unless you're sticking yourself with a finger stick every five minutes, you have no way to know what is going on in a 24-hour period. And as you mentioned, the A1C of seven doesn't tell you how many times you were above 300 or below 70. So it really doesn't give us a good picture. Unfortunately, I'll be honest, we can't get it into the hands of all the people we needed because of billing restrictions. But with that being said, this technology is so educational that many people feel the value of it that they will purchase some of the CGMs out of pocket. And we've actually seen some of this because, again, it is becoming more affordable. And down the road, I believe it will become even more affordable as it becomes more commonplace in managing and caring for people with diabetes. So I've seen a lot of my type twos who are on oral meds and they're of course, their insurance won't pay for it because they're not taking insulin. And so these folks have decided to go out and spend the $70 for the sensors, $40 for the reader, and they will use it maybe not every two weeks, but for two weeks out of every other month, they'll use a sensor to get a picture of what's going on. And CGM provides information to the patient so that, again, they know oh gosh, three pieces of pizza put my sugar over 300 where two pieces of pizza kept me in range. And the nice thing is, as you probably see as well, the newer devices have alarms on them. So it kind of tells you when you're going up or when you're going down. And this gives you the opportunity to prevent hypoglycemia by treating it before it actually happens. We talked earlier about uh, how people have a fear of hypoglycemia. The nice part of the CGM, especially because of the fact that the newer devices have these alarms and bells and whistles, you actually know it's coming. And once again, you could prevent it before it actually happens. So how about you, Curtis? I know you work with a lot of folks with CGM as well. Yeah, you know, one of the places that I think that we've been using it a lot is really kind of our inter-office. A lot of our patients with private insurance have the ability to have a CGM placed, usually via their insurance about every six months you can actually place it. But especially when we've made an intervention or when they first come in, what we're doing is we're putting them on a CGM. And the information we're getting back has just been incredible. So, and as you said, it's such a great educational tool because what we're finding is patients have no idea what's happening to their sugar because you just don't check your sugar enough via home glucose monitoring. But when you see that huge bump in your sugar in the evening after the evening meal, you start to realize you can just show the patient literally, what did you eat here? And then they tell you and you go, well, obviously that was too many carbohydrates to keep your sugar under normal, or it may be a nidus for us to 
to change the therapeutic interventions that we're doing for the patient. Also, on top of that, you know, one of the things that we're really, really finding is the ability to address hypoglycemia. So the stats are out there, and I always quote the same one, but I think it's important to understand that it seems like people on insulin, about 50% of them are having asymptomatic hypoglycemia, where they're having minor hypoglycemia and they don't even realize it. And so what we're finding a lot of is these little blips in hypoglycemia where people are low for 20, 30 minutes, didn't even know it. And so we're, we're able to kind of address why is it that they're going low? And as we said before, and as you mentioned, the A1C gives you none of this information. So the A1C doesn't help you a bit. A lot of times the people that were finding this in are people with A1Cs of you know, 7.5, 7.4, uh, 7.6, but we're finding that they're just having a lot of this little bit of hypoglycemia here or there. And so I, I think we've been using a lot in this inter-office use to kind of augment the A1C and really find out what's going on. And so I think other than that, as I said before, it's really a great tool to help manage patients and make them understand the relationship between their activity, between their carbohydrates, between their medications. You know, and one other point to bring up, I think that pharmacists really need to be aware of, especially pharmacists practicing in diabetes, is these newer technologies, as you mentioned, especially the ones that have the phone app, allow the user the person with diabetes to share their readings, their CGM readings with maybe three, four, five people. And so it's very common that, you know, they'll share it with their healthcare providers. And, you know, we are fortunate, we have a few folks that are on CGM. And I just want to share a story very quickly. I had a patient very recently where she was having, she was on Detamir and was having frequent hypos in the middle of the night and then now switched her to Degladec and she's doing fabulous and hasn't gone low since. But her CGM, of course, would alarm when her sugar was dropping below 70. And a couple of times it alarmed him in the middle of the night. And so she was so used to the alarm, meaning hypoglycemia, that she would just routinely get up and drink some orange juice. Well, what the funny part is, is when we switched her insulin, it wasn't, the alarm wasn't saying hypo, it was saying hyper. So she actually treated a hyperglycemia with drinking more orange juice. So it's important for folks to look at the number and not just focus on an alarm going off. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you say it because uh, we kind of last time we talked about basal and, and rapid acting insulins. And, and we had a gentleman who, for some reason, we thought he was taking, I can't remember the dose, but he was on a certain dose of rapid acting insulin. But he wasn't taking that dose. He was taking more, always taking more. And and for some reason, we when you talk to someone, even in their face, sometimes they'll give you the answer. So maybe he said six units with a meal. That wasn't what he was taking. What he was actually taking was eight to 10. And so, like we said before, I mean, he was having some blows, but really you didn't know why. But then what was happening is that we we were checking on the CGM and all of a sudden he realized, and then he was like, oh yeah, so we, we backed off on his insulin. And then finally, somewhere in there, it triggered his brain that when we finally got to the point where we said, we're going to decrease you from six to four, he said, oh, well, you know, I'm actually taking 10 or something like that. So you're like, so sometimes it's just these, this CGM just helps so much to 
to augment people, to give them more information and to give us as clinicians information too. And I think it's so important. It's something we could we could probably talk about for another hour because of the, the interesting points that it really has helped us as clinicians to minimize hypoglycemia and help with understanding why people are going hyperglycemic. So it's really good information. But in the essence of time, one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to also talk about smart pens. So smart pens are available and they can track doses, given times, even start to be able to integrate into some of the CGM devices, which I think is something that's really interesting. Of course, they can integrate into some blood glucose monitors as well. And there's really some definite advantages to documenting information from using these in patients. But one of the things is, is that, at least from my practice, I haven't had a whole lot of patients integrate this technology into the regimen. So one of my questions to you, Sue, is are you using more smart pens? And if so, what kind of results are you having? Great question, Curtis. And actually, the story you just shared about your patient who was injecting the eight to 10 units instead of the six, he would be a perfect candidate for a smart pen. Because the great thing, and for folks to realize, is the smart pen, which is designed to be used with rapid acting or mealtime insulin, it has the app to your phone, which actually tells you you how much insulin you injected. And it tracks through an algorithm how much insulin is continually in your system. So if your CGM is saying, oh, you're still 200 and you're trending up and you're thinking, oh, I didn't give my dose, you can just look at your phone. And as you mentioned, you know, many of these devices are now starting to become integrated where the smart pen is talking to the CGM app. So the app is actually connecting the two. And you can realize, oh, I did give eight units of insulin and I don't need to add any more onto it. And I still have six units on board. So again, the technology has come so far where I think it is helping us to, again, minimize these hypo and hopefully hyper events. Now, with that being said, again, same thing, I'm in a free clinic, so we don't get to prescribe the smart pens, but some of the devices are very affordable. And some of our patients are willing to pay out of pocket for these devices because of the value they see. And as a matter of fact, I just have to share, I had a patient who now granted, again, patient in a free clinic, didn't have a lot, lost his insurance due to losing his job recently. But a family member for his birthday bought him a smart pen. So it's not maybe that even the patient himself is buying it. The family member bought it for him. The smart pen is good for a year. He can put his insulin into the cartridge and it's helped him to remember when he dosed his insulin and how much is actually there. So I think sometimes as pharmacists, we think, oh, well, the patient doesn't have insurance. They can't afford this. Don't underestimate having the patient make the decision themselves. Some of them will see the value and are willing to choose or to ask for help from family or relatives to help them purchase, again, the CGM or the smart pen, because many of these newer devices are starting to become more and more affordable. But with that being said, we, we have all the technology in the world, but the patient still needs to make sure the technique is correct their injection technique. And I know I had a different patient not too long ago with telemedicine. We've been seeing people in telemedicine recently. And 
this man hated it. As a matter of fact, I feel terrible. He yelled at my student recently, stop calling me. And when you guys come in back to the clinic and see patients in person, let me know. I, I hate telemedicine. But what we found is like you were talking, he was telling us what we wanted to hear on the telemedicine visit. But when we brought him into the office, which was about three weeks ago, we found out that he wasn't injecting properly. So the technology is great, but if the patient isn't getting the dose, that technology is meaningless. Curtis, there's a lot of diabetes apps that are available, including those to help avoid hypoglycemia and improving patient care. What apps are you talking about with your patients? Well, one of the things is I find that my patients are kind of talking to me about the apps that they like. So I kind of learn from them more than I'm actively going out and seeking out the apps. So, of course, we are familiar with some of them. One of the ones I think that not a lot, but a few of my patients are using is called MySugar, which is S-U-G-R. And that's a very common one, and it's free. And what it can do is kind of integrate in your blood glucose values, and it kind of downloads the information from your blood glucose monitors. And then what you can do is you can look at the data to start to figure out when your sugar's high, when it's low, how many percent is in range. It gives you all sorts of nice data. One of the things I'm going to say about all these apps, though, is they're only as good as the data put in. So one of the things that I've noticed is that we will have patients who are doing a great job checking their sugar, then there'll be a week where they really don't check their sugar much. So one of the things is the app can only do what it does with the glucose values that you're giving it. But my sugar is one of those that I think I've, I've had a few patients that are using and they seem to enjoy it. And it, it's a free download. The other one, which is a free download, is called Gluco. And Gluco is one that used to be a little more difficult, but since a couple of years ago, they kind of offered the, the basic online app for free and you can get it through. You have to have a smartphone, so like an Android or an Apple. And what you do is you download it and it's, it's not unlike some of the other organizers. So what's happening is that they're, they're using it to organize their blood glucose values and of course, seeing the trends. And usually what I'm finding is that the apps are being used, not surprisingly, by some of my younger type two patients. So my older type two patients, though you'll have an exception, they're not using apps quite as much. The other one I see, if we, we get a little off topic, so I have a few type ones using Tidepool, and Tidepool is something that's an interesting technology, something that they could do. But I don't have a, because of the fact that where I work, we have a very large type two population, 95% plus, and we don't have as many type ones. So the Tidepool is few and far between my exposure to that. One of the things I'll say is also we have a lot of people using calories. And the one that I think most people are using still is called Calorie King. And it's okay. But one of the things is, is that there are certain instances where I think it falls short. And one of the ones that I uh, had a patient come to me recently and kind of show me and I thought was really exciting. And I was a little excited about it. It's called Carbs and Cows. And Carbs and Cows is a little bit, I, I don't have a lot of experience with it, but the patient was showing me some of the information and you could take pictures of your meals. It estimates carbs. You have to be careful with that. But, you know, you could take pictures and it'll estimate carbs for you. It's really a better app for carbohydrate focus. And so that was one of the ones that I was kind of uh, interested in and had some uh, patients that were kind of showing me what they're using. So what, what kind of apps are your patients using? 
And pretty much the same. The gluco is very popular with a lot of the folks that I've worked with, as well as my sugar. Um, we haven't had much experience with the tide pool either, but I think what we see a lot of too is the individual apps. You know, so many people will have a Fitbit app that actually incorporates Calorie King. The challenge that I hear from patients is there are so many apps and they don't talk to each other. And that's probably one of the barriers. So I think any information is better than nothing for patients. And if they're getting to understand what is an appropriate portion size, what their sugar is, somewhere where they can log their their carbohydrates, again, some type of self-management and investment in helping to better manage their sugar is really what's key. I agree 100%. So just one of the things that I wanted to bring up briefly, and and you've kind of commented on too, is that this new technology, so the apps are oftentimes free. That's one of the things that's nice for our patients, something we could give them. But the technology, as you had mentioned several times, is not free. And so if you look at the cost difference between home glucose monitoring and continuous glucose monitoring, even the one that uh, intermittently uh, checks your sugar in, of course, is not considered CGM, but intermittent checking of your sugar. One of the things I, I find is that these can still be cost prohibitive for our patients. So I just wanted to remind people out there that even though these technologies are out there, some of them are available at pharmacies, which I think is very important, especially a couple of the newest technology ones are the ones that you said don't need calibration are available through pharmacies. We also need to remember that some of our patients just can't afford it. And you've kind of mentioned this, but I thought it'd be a good point to end on because of the fact that pharmacy personnel, we deal with these cost issues every day when we're trying to get people on to to afford a medication or a technology. So any any last thoughts on that, Sue? You know, my biggest take-home message is don't underestimate what a patient is willing to do when they find value in it. And seriously, I can't tell you the number of times where Continuous glucose monitors, these ones that are bought over the counter, so to speak, smart pens are being bought for the patient as a gift from a family member. They make great holiday gifts, birthday gifts, and when the person who has diabetes finds value, they can make ways to make it happen. So I think as a pharmacist, our job is really to help people understand the value with this technology and help them make smart decisions. Great, great information. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank Sue for joining me to discuss how we as pharmacists can help patients use technology to achieve good glucose control safely. Join us here at ASHP Official for more ASHP Advantage, engaging the experts episodes, and every Thursday when we talk with experts on a variety of clinical topics. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.